0: Welcome to the Gamesmith's Table Talk. This is a roundtable format discussion where I and my guests try to cover three tabletop roleplaying-related topics in 15 minutes. If you know anything about tabletop roleplayers, then you'll know that this is an ambitious goal. Let's head to the table. Welcome back to our Table Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Clayton the Gamesmith, and joining me are. I'm Franklin. I'm Cheryl. I'm Clark. Let's head to the table! The views and opinions of the panel are their own and do not reflect the views and opinions of any other individual company or organization. This podcast has been known to be opinionated. You have been warned. Welcome back to our next attempt to get through three topics in 15 minutes. We would like to finish off our previous topic on gestalting, and I have a whole bunch of ideas regarding GMing. Uh, I'm the person around this table who has the most experiencing uh, GMing gestalting Everyone in agreement with that?
1: Absolutely. Yep.
0: And so as a consequence, i if I start talking about GMing gestalted characters, you're going to listen to me for the next 15 minutes. So rather than doing that, uh look on gamesmith.org for the blog post on GMing gestalted characters. Now, before we move on, does anybody have any final thoughts that they would like to share on gestalting?
2: Uh, I think in closing, I'd just like to say that it was, it's was it been a very new experience for me playing a Gestalt character, but I find it quite rewarding because the benefits of character creation and the ability to play more classes has been a real treat for me personally. Uh, so I would just say that I've, I've definitely become a fan of the play style. So.
1: Uh, I would like to say in closing that once you play Gestalt, it's very hard to go back to doing single class I really enjoy the concept. It really, really does push that concept build.
3: Yeah. And I I know I talked a little bit in the last one about kind of the downsides of Gestalting. I absolutely love Gestalting. I don't want to come off as, you know, anti-Gestalting or anything, but just be... (laughs) You're an (laughs) anti-Gestaltite. But just, you know, what I was trying to get at is be aware that there are pros and cons to it. It's not going to be a good fix for everyone's game table. If you are playing a game, you're crafting an experience and gestalting is a tool that you use to do that. But it leans you towards a certain kind of game. Uh, I will say actually one of the, probably the most fun I've had in character generation or character creation in Pathfinder in a long time has been picking two classes just off like rolling dice on a chart and trying to figure out how to make those classes work together. Ah. It's been a lot. I've had a lot of fun making some interesting characters that way.
0: That is true. I will probably, if I have a choice, will never go back to not playing Gestalted. I have enjoyed Gestalted, my character, so much, uh, particularly because I now have the... It gives me the tools to be able to create what I regard as a more flushed-out character. Rather than focusing on one specific career, they have this other stuff I need to factor into the story as well. And as a consequence of that, I have really, really enjoyed that. And as a GM, I really like making, really, really like making gestalted big bads, which we'll talk about on my blog. So check that out. Now, believe it or not, we're actually making it to our second topic.
1: Wow. like to talk about play styles and uh, there's a lot to unpack there so I don't think we're going to be getting to a
0: third well we'll see
1: definitely um, play styles can mean a lot of different things you've got whether you got high fantasy low fantasy you've got the difference between how did you put it
3: just high power versus low power power gaming versus min maxing uh, where the balance is with role playing Um, Between role-playing and the tactical side, on the combat-heavy side, the difference between tactical and hack and slash, because I think there's a bit of a difference there as well.
0: So, and just to clarify for our listeners, when we're talking about play style, are we talking about... we're not talking about GM style. No. Are we talking about the players and the style that they bring to the table each individually or the playstyle of the table, because the two inform one another. I think the, the
3: playstyle as a whole is what we're talking about. And this is something that's partially on the in the hands of the GM to create an experience that lines up with this with a particular style, but also then the players have to buy into that style. I know we've talked previously about people on forums or on the internet talking about oh you're playing the game the wrong way. I think most <laughs> of the most of those kinds of issues, and admittedly taking Taking the generous approach here. Most of those issues don't come from people saying that there's a right way and a wrong way to play the game, but I think everyone's had a frustration where everyone wants to play the game one day, and there's that one person at the table that's trying to do something different. And I think for power gamers yes. especially, this is where this is where the reputation comes from. If everyone at the table wants to play a power game campaign, there isn't a problem. The problem is when there's only one person that does. Right.
0: When you have four role players and one murder hobo. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think as an older gamer, and I don't even know if this is a term that's currently used, but they used to say crunch versus fluff. How much tactical game mechanics do you prefer compared to the actual role playing or theater of the mind play style and i know that that balance probably differs for everyone uh myself personally i do like a balance between tactical combat with the grid on the table um as well as the role playing aspect and the the deep immersion storytelling that goes along with that so for me it's definitely a balance
1: yeah, it really comes down to that. But also, how much does the administrator have? How much power does he have to dictate the way the game goes? I mean, if you've got a game master who is like, I'm all about the story, but all of his players are like, we want combat. How much does that really affect the table? I would just say that it does a lot. You really, as Franklin said, have to have that buy-in. All the all the group, the players, the administrator, the table has to decide on which play styles are we gonna go for. But in that, that doesn't necessarily say, you know, this is the general play style of the table, but other playstyles are not prohibited.
3: unwelcome. I think just very quickly, um, in a very literal sense, if you're starting a group, this should probably be a session zero discussion. Sit down with all of your players and talk about what kind of power level do we want to have? What kind of story do we want to tell? Do we want this to be more tactical, more more roleplay heavy? Where is the balance for everyone? And realizing, yeah, as Cheryl said, there is going to be some flexibility within that. There'll be parts of the story that push more towards one end of the spectrum or others, but set a general tone at the start of your game so that everyone knows what they're going into.
0: I would definitely agree with that. I just want to inform our listeners that uh, you keep hearing the word administrator and don't know what we're talking about. We use the term administrator synonymously with GM, DM, those uh, titles for the person who's directing your gameplay.
1: Yeah, Game Master, Dungeon Master. Right. They're all the same.
0: They're all the same thing.
1: Okay, so let's, let's start talking about... High fantasy versus low fantasy. Now, there's two things in the high fantasy, low fantasy that I feel is whether or not you have high magic or low magic and whether or not the rest of the style is high or low. Um, Some games refer to that as high fantasy versus gritty. What do you guys feel?
3: I think I I definitely agree that high fantasy, low fantasy being more or less synonymous with magic level is the, the conventionally accepted term. I don't know if I'd 100% agree with low magic being inherently more gritty. There are definitely, you know, Eberron comes to mind. Being a huge Eberron fan myself, um, some areas like the Cogs down in the Sharn, or down in um, uh, the Cogs down in Sharn, are a very gritty, very literally down to earth setting. That's also very high magic.
1: Yes, uh, um, what I
3: see also a lot of dystopian sci-fi replacing magic with technology, but we have plenty of gritty high settings.
1: Yes, what I meant with that is there's two separate sides to high fantasy low fantasy. There's the magic side, and then there's the other general way the world is. So, for instance, you could have a gritty world with a high magic.
0: Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Like uh, Dark Sun, pal- or D&D's Dark Sun from 2nd edition. Absolutely. That's not a good it's, example. Yes. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. gritty, gritty usually means that it's it, you're more likely to die
0: um, there's a yes, real considering you start gameplay at third level <laughs> from second edition. Yeah, there's,
1: there's there's real consequences to stuff like that. Whereas something like Chivalry and Sorcery is gritty with a mid-magic. If you'd start with the first or the second edition, you're going more to low, low, low magic. The further editions get up into the middle of magic. So you can have all sorts of different things. Now, when you're going into a D&D session like Pathfinder... Pathfinder is definitely high fantasy in all aspects.
0: Very, very much so. Yes, particularly given the ubiquitous nature of magic, magic items. Case in point, the first time where uh, Kingmaker won, our first uh, Kingmaker that we ever played, uh, plus one daggers were so common, they were we were using them as um, fence, post? fence posts <laughs> to yeah. keep vermin out of our gardens. Well, and I think there's something to mention,
3: you know, as a, as a GM, if you're starting out or as an administrator, if you're looking at creating a world, really spend some time thinking about how the availability of magic affects the, the lives of common folk. Imagine, for Absolutely. example, you're in the Galarian setting and you're a small, to- a small farmer, a workman from a town of 20 or 30 people. Someone in that town having ready access to healing magic will have a daily impact on your life. We think to the Middle Ages where a cut on your hand is a death sentence. That's just not true in Galarian because you just go to the cleric and they heal it. Yeah. So think about how the availability of magic like Groom, or that's uh, a homer spell we're realizing, um, but the availability of magic like prestidigitation, like create water, like light. How does that affect the daily lives of people who live around this magic?
1: It's also one of the reasons he really likes Eberron because they did that. Like <laughs> yes. magic is, is a technology. But anyway, um, one of the great things about using a system that already has a predefined world is you don't have to think of that. You're going in already with its... This is a high fantasy setting. This is a low fantasy setting.
2: And getting to the point on grittier... Campaigns. Uh, as a fan of of grittier playstyle, I think it lends itself well to numerous genres. Uh, cyberpunk, for example, very high technology, um, very low society, very gritty playstyle. A lot of the Pathfinder APs that center on uh, urban fantasy can be a very gritty playstyle, as opposed to a more open sandbox kingdom building type of game. Um, So yeah, definitely certain campaign, different campaign worlds and different settings lend itself well to a grittier playstyle if that's what you're a fan of.
3: Something I want to mention as well is I think there's a bit of a a power, the power fantasy which I've talked about before of the, the engagement of your game being powerful doesn't necessarily mean high magic. There definitely is a lot of correlation between high magic lends itself very well to the power fantasy, but I would point to stories like Rambo, for example. It's a story with no magic in it that's all about the power
0: fantasy. I'm contemplating that for a moment. That's why I'm going to be silent.
1: I'm agreeing. <laughs> Are
0: you, You're you talking about the novel that the movie was adapted from?
3: I'm, I'm not going to lie, I've never seen Rambo. I just know it by reputation. Oh, okay. We should... Practice. The cardinal sin... <laughs> We should preface at some point, there's at least a decade in age between me and the rest of this table.
1: At least. (laughs) At least. (laughs) Or two. (laughs) But yeah, now we're talking, this all has been talking about the overall style of the table. And as I said, if you come into it... We're gonna sit down and we're gonna play Pathfinder. The concession is okay. We're in a high magic system. Um, there's gonna be very few people that e- that know the Pathfinder system that are gonna argue that it's a low magic one. Everyone just automatically assumes it's gonna be high magic. So I would talk now about the individual play styles. But I do believe we are running out of time.
0: We have a few seconds left to uh, tell our uh, audience that apparently we only made it through two topics today. and uh, uh, We we're didn't going- even
1: actually do that. We made it through one, if you count the fact that we just, you know, final thoughts on one.
0: <laughs> okay, but we're apparently not done talking about playstyle.
1: No, I don't think we then are. Then we
0: didn't get through any. <laughs> Next podcast, folks, and you can find out what else is happening with our opinions on PlayStyle.